Just as we were signing off on episode number 322 of Unscripted, Chris got a blurb on his phone saying that uh, what he had just discussed has just happened, in fact. Again, it won't become final until Wednesday, but the Detroit Lions have solidified their defensive front with a five-year, $82.5 million commitment to uh, Trey Flowers as the newest member of the Detroit Lions and another guy from the Belichick tree who's going to Motown to play for his former defensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, in Detroit. So congratulations there. And that makes it just a little bit harder in the NFC North for the Green Bay Packers. want to wish everybody and welcome you to the 323rd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you as always. And the boss has something else about a signing in Cincinnati that he wants to bring you up on. So I give the microphone to the executive producer, Mr. Fluke. Well, I just thought about this when we were talking about the Jets last episode. And you were saying, look, they've been so bad for so long. It's hard to even picture the New York Jets and maybe the Cleveland Browns and certain franchises like that. Detroit Lions. Yeah, well, there you go. It's hard to picture them being good. It really is. (laughs) It really is. Now... (laughs) <laughs> Who was, you know, a while back, I guess we'd say probably 90s and uh, yeah, probably 90s would be maybe the best example of this. Like, who was the worst? Who was the franchise like that in the 90s? Like, for a lot of people, it was the Bungles, as they were called. Absolutely. Right? I mean, they were the crappy franchise and all that. And now, for the last almost 20 years, they've had a guy named Marvin Lewis, who has yeah. who's helped out not just with coaching, but in every facet of that franchise, yeah. you know, dealing with a ridiculous owner and just and you know dealing with so many players that five are just, playoff appearances. Yeah, it's dealing with so many retreads and players who've been trouble with the law and just taking all these guys off the street and just like that. What that guy dealt with is unbelievable. And I don't know if there's many guys in the league or out of the league or anywhere on earth <laughs> that could come in and and deal with the ridiculous ownership situ- situation in Cincinnati and the weird policies and do well. And now that he's gone. This is what we see right here. I don't even know if I can criticize uh, this as a because he's a blocking tight end because I don't know what they think he is if he's a receiving tight end or what he is. But so they've got a tight end named C.J. Ozama who no one heard of till last year. There's some they're for some reason going to pay him three years, eighteen million, so six million a year for a guy he eclipsed fifty yards once. He I don't know what they think he does, but I mean blocking tight ends are the easiest thing to find in the league like there's like it's harder to find a good punter than it is to find a good blocking tight yeah. end that is that's nothing that's just an extra o-lineman who can leave the line of scrimmage once in a while like it's ridiculous and this guy can't do anything and they're just so used to number one having marvin lewis's competence and number two they're used to any tight end they have looking great because they had tyler eifert other than injury history has looked amazing um then they had um uh, tyler croft and these guys looked awesome. They're just used to, I guess, all their tight ends looking great. And maybe maybe part of that's because Andy Dalton likes throwing to tight ends. Like, I don't know. But Uzama here, this is a terrible, terrible, terrible signing. It makes no sense. I don't know what he does well. I don't know why they thought they had to give him $6 million. I don't know why they had to give him three years. None of it makes any sense at all. But it looks like we've got the old bungles coming back. Now, Tyler Eifert, correct me if I'm wrong. He was the guy from Notre Dame... That got hurt in a Pro Bowl. Yeah, he got hurt in the Pro Bowl. And that's why I think the Pro Bowl needs to be abolished. Yeah. You can't let all-star players get hurt in a game that means absolutely jack fuck all. Yeah, and then, and he's never been the same since then. That's, and, I was right then. That's the right guy. Yeah, and now he's got... Uh, 
And now, and then this past year in a game, you know, he just looked like we were seeing the old guy we hadn't seen in a couple of years. And then he gets another really bad, like, what was it, a really bad ankle break or whatever it was, but he was out for the year again. Like, now he's just totally injury prone and he's never recovered. He was the, my, like, he was like my go to all star uh, fantasy football tight end. You could get him real cheap in drafts easily and he would just perform like crazy for you. Easily one of the premier tight ends in the league. And now he's never been the same because he went to the Pro Bowl and hurt himself and yeah anyway the the Bengals oh I'm, I'm so sad they couldn't even win what game one of those five years because it's gonna be a long time before we see the Cincinnati Bengals back in the playoffs uh the only thing they might be winning anytime soon is the first overall pick yeah absolutely and they'll muck that up because they'll trade it to somebody um if uh you are just joining us and i know i'm not supposed to do that for our friend that told me i shouldn't but i really <laughs> don't care i welcome you to this 300 and 23rd episode of Unscripted uh, with Mike and Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're sitting here on Monday afternoon, March the 11th, two days prior to the opening of the 100th, the official 100th season of the National Football League. Now, I know I said that last year, but remember, folks, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears were in other leagues before they came into the National Football League. They were in an old thing called the American something something of football something. And it was the Decatur Staley's and it was the Portsmouth something and it was the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears weren't originally the Chicago Bears. Originally, they were the Decatur Staley's. So there's a little football history. And Detroit was Fort Smith, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a lot of things to talk about. We could talk about the NFL this time of the year on and on and on, but there are other things to talk about as well. And I want to start this episode of the program in the National Hockey League and... I do want to start by saying that I want to congratulate my partner here who said that last week I posed the question, which team had improved itself the most after the National Hockey League's trading deadline, which was the 25th of February. And Chris boldly came out and said, and I thought maybe it'd be Winnipeg. I thought it might be Columbus because Columbus, you know, made six trades And uh, what Tortorella has done with those six trades is that they've fallen farther away from the last playoff spot in the Eastern Conference instead of getting closer to one. So I guess Torts isn't doing his job in Columbus. Maybe he needs to go to Urban Meyer's class at the Ohio State University. Um, But Chris came out and correctly said that the team that improved itself the most after the trade deadline was our very favorite Las Vegas Golden Knights. And I got to admit, Okay, I got to admit, I I don't admit, I don't stay away from responsibility when I don't know. But I, okay, first of all, I can't watch the Ottawa Senators play. I can't do it. It's boring. There's nobody in the stands. The owner is an idiot. The general manager is a moron. Yada, yada, yada. And it goes on. The list goes, and the beat goes on and on and on. So I didn't watch much Ottawa Senators hockey. But I got to tell you, folks, I have watched the last two or three Las Vegas Gold, excuse me, Vegas Golden Knights games. And this new guy they brought in from Ottawa on the back end, Mark Stone, has been sensational. He scored his first goal the other night when their win, uh, when they beat it, when they defeated uh, the Vancouver Canucks the other night. They weren't as successful last night here in Cowtown as they lost to the local floodplain Flames. Uh, what was it, six to three? And I'll have a comment about one of my partner's favorite players on the floodplain flames in a minute. But 
Um, you must have seen Mark Stone play before. Um, you, you've got some intel on him. But, man, after seeing this guy play, and correct me if I'm wrong, his brother already plays or has some relation to the guy that's on the disabled list for the Flames that's a back-ender, too. Stone, I think it's Michael Stone. I'm not sure, but there might be some relation there. But this kid, Mark Stone, from the Ottawa Senators, now playing for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, I'm glad he's on my favorite team now. And uh, he has already made a difference as the Las Vegas... God damn it. I know it's the Vegas, but to me it should be Las Vegas. The Vegas Golden Knights continue to play good hockey. They're moving up the standings. And they're getting closer and closer by the day of catching the Calgary Flames in the Pacific Division of the National Hockey League. Yeah, it's too bad Vegas had such a bad start to the season because they're coming on strong, which I'm thrilled to see. I was really hoping it wouldn't be some silly sophomore jinx thing or something. But yes, uh, Mark Stone's older brother, Michael Stone, is is a defenseman for the Flames. Mark Stone is actually a right wing. He actually Oh, a, I'm so, my, he, my bad. It's okay. He's actually a forward. Uh he's a right-handed right wing. But anyway, yeah, Mark Stone, one of the most under the radar stars in the league, I would say. And and it's easy to be under the radar when you're in Ottawa, of course. Yeah, there's it's, only six people watching. Yeah, especially here. Yeah, and and uh And only 3 of the 6 really give a damn or stayed sober. And and the other 3 are 3 of uh <laughs> Melnick's personalities. <laughs> I think because I don't know what's going on in that guy's head but anyway yeah so Mark Stone just a great addition and it's really impressive that they got him there because the other contender for him was Winnipeg who Vegas uh, beat last year in the playoffs and without that Winnipeg, the locals put in a bid for him too I heard that's true but my point I was making is Mark Stone is from Winnipeg oh that's so I mean he missed he he uh could have gone to his hometown team and then instead he goes to Vegas who is now I mean we could see actually a rivalry really develop yeah. between my second and third favorite teams in the NHL which is of course Vegas and Winnipeg and uh just you know two two fan bases I just uh I really like and uh two teams I really like I'm gonna tell you something right now Mark Stone is going to enjoy life in his new hometown. First of all, in the middle of January, it's <laughs> yeah. about 65 degrees in Vegas, and it's probably minus 50 with the wind chill factor in Winnipeg. Second of all, what he's really going to enjoy every Tuesday during the regular season, which is payday in the National Hockey League, he's going to enjoy not having to pay state income tax in Nevada versus the high rate of income or high rate of tax you pay in Canada. So he may be a little bit disappointed at the beginning about not going to Winnipeg and going home and playing in front of friends and family, and I understand that. But he's going to have so many friends and family that are going to visit him in Las Vegas. He'll get tired of them, and he'll kick them back to Winnipeg. Yeah, but I mean, he's looked great. That was a great pickup. And again, this, this how well this franchise has run just really underscores to me that I really hope the Oilers get Kelly McCrimmon to be their next GM because that would be wonderful because I'm sure he's had a good part. Although George McPhee is clearly the man here for sure. Well, I mean, learn. I mean, what a learning tool for uh, McCrimmon wow. to uh, learn from George McPhee. And yeah, it, t- it took George you know, McPhee's still, whole team to beat him last I, well, year. Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. I still think, but I, I don't expect this from Ted Leonsis or whatever. I think that's how you say his mm-hmm. name as the as the as the principal owner of the Washington Capitals. I think one of the new beautiful Stanley Cup championship rings should have gone to George McPhee. George McPhee still put that Washington Capitals he team together. Teams, that's what I'm saying. That's, that's what I'm saying. He should. I think if Ted Leonsis now remember, we already know, and he's already made our moron wall of fame because he let 
the best coach in the league go to the New York Islanders, and all he's done, Barry Trotz, is put the Islanders minus Tavares in first place in the Metropolitan Division. That is awesome accomplishment for a team that really doesn't have a home. They play in three different freaking uh, arenas or two different arenas in the greater New York area, and they've gone to, you know, they've catapulted to first place in the Metropolitan Division, which a lot of our listeners to Unscripted believed that was the toughest division in the National Hockey League at the beginning of the season, if you remember. I had thought maybe the Pacific Division, but I remember Greg, who I respect his knowledge better than mine, Greg thought it might be the Metropolitan Division. And for the Islanders to go to the top of that division without John Tavares, Barry Trotz is the best in the business. Oh, yeah. And Ted Leonis, to let him go, idiot move. So I don't expect him to have put a a uh, championship ring for George McPhee and send it FedEx, FedEx Express to Las Vegas. I don't expect that to happen. But George McPhee had a lot to do with the Washington Capitals winning their one and only Stanley Cup Finals just, what, six months ago or whatever it was, eight months ago, whatever it was. Um, George McPhee is a hell of a uh, front office administrator, and any team would love to have him. And if Bill Foley does anything, he better the one thing he better do is get George McPhee's name on a long, 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 long contract extension. Yeah, it's it's really interesting how we are starting to really see a true dichotomy here of great GMs and terrible GMs across all sports. We're really starting to see the difference, and it's really interesting. We're seeing the great GMs like George McPhee and Chris Ballard and Mike Mayock already, and then we're getting all the terrible ones. And just as I mentioned the Bengals earlier, they made another signing that's just as bad. So the Bengals have re-signed human turnstile Bobby Hart, offensive tackle, to a three-year $21 million. So they did the same contract contract as Uzama with an extra million a year for a guy who blocks NFL players about as well as I do and uh it you're we get to watch the uh, real time downward spiral so if the Vegas Golden Knights are on the way up the Cincinnati Bengals are on the way down also want to spend as we're talking a little National Hockey League of course interspersed with these uh, endless signings in the NFL that aren't supposed to be actually happening until Wednesday folks but yeah two days among friends who cares we're talking a little bit about the National Hockey League and why we were on the topic of the most famous hockey team in Southern Nevada, the Vegas Golden Knights. We do need to send out some congratulatory note, if you will, a congratulatory note, not plural, you idiot. Um, we do want to send uh, congrats to Marc-Andre Fleury, who on Saturday night in Vancouver um, passed Jacques Plant on the all-time goalie wins list as he won game number 438 on Saturday night in Vancouver, and he's now only seven wins behind the legendary Terry Sawchuk for sixth all-time in the National Hockey League. And uh, I am so happy that this guy plays for the Vegas Golden Knights. I can't believe it. And any dollar that they paid him, they didn't pay him enough if he keeps playing like this. At 34, 35, whatever he is, he just is, continues to p- play outstanding between the pipes for the, for the Golden Knights. Everyone knew when the expansion draft happened that Marc-Andre Fleury was the key draft pick of the entire draft, and uh, it was tough. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't really have a choice unless they trade him for somewhere else just to prevent losing him for nothing. That was their only alternative because they were going to lose him. He's getting older, and even though he's still great, you can't get rid of Matt Murray, who has been not only a good goalie in general, but even in the playoffs. So there was really no choice. They had to either trade him or just let him go. And uh, I I don't know what the actual behind-the-scenes thing was, how hard they tried to trade him or if they just let him go. Because then if the thing is, though, 
if you know that they're taking Flurry and you don't really need him anymore, that means that all your other guys, there's a bunch of other guys you yeah. could risk losing otherwise. So it's sure. going to protect those guys. So you're almost using Flurry as a human shield if you're Jim Rutherford there. So yeah, and I so I appreciate that. And it was nice for them to get a proper goalie because that's such a huge thing. And Flurry has been, even though everyone expected him, I think, to be really good. I think he has far exceeded expectations. I don't think there's anybody who could have expected him to be this good, to be just, you know, shutouts, like just tossing out shutouts like their candy here. And just, he's been unbelievable. And I, you know what? He's actually kind of won me over because I've never been a Flurry fan and it may be uh, frivolous of me, but just I hated how he basically scored on himself in the World Juniors in 03 yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And he kind of laughed about it afterwards. And I hated that. And yeah. so I never really liked Flurry. But now, look, it's partly because I'm a Golden Knights fan, but I'm just, he has been so great. You can't really argue with anything. I'll, I'll stop trying to hold that against him for what he did, <laughs> what he what he did as a kid. So, I mean, we've all made mistakes, especially when we were young. So uh, he's just been sensational. And the Golden Knights would not have made Stanley Cup finals without him last year. They wouldn't be where they are today without him at all. I don't think anyone else would have had eight shutouts, no matter who it is. And what can you say about Marc-Andre Fleury? He's made me a, a believer and he's won me over. And he's just, he's he is the best goalie in the league this year. And he deserves any credit that he gets. We've got a couple others uh, from the National Hockey League to talk about, but we've got episodes later this week to address. So I'll save a couple for later, especially Chris's favorite member of the Floodtown Flames uh, did something last night that he did for the first time last night, but we'll get to that. The news out of the NBA is where I want to go next. And, um, you know, everybody is giving proper respect to the year that the Milwaukee Bucks have had. Uh, they lost yesterday in San Antonio, but they're, they were the first team to clinch a playoff spot this year. Even with last night's loss in San Antonio, they're still 50 up and 17 down this year. First time Milwaukee's won 50 games in a season since the 2001 a 2000-2001 season when they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals where they lost to the Allen Iverson-led Philadelphia Eagles, or oh, Philadelphia 76ers. That must have hurt. That was, oh, it hurt a lot, and that was the year that AI came out with the famous practice. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a one That yeah. was a one yeah. That was the year they made it all the way to the finals and lost to Shaq and Kobe uh, when the Lakers were prevalent. Um, and I'm not getting, oh, and I've got to, got to talk about this too because uh, I heard this morning, well, let me get to this one first. Everybody still, though, regardless of how many platitudes they give out to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors and whoever else, everybody still believes in their heart of hearts that the teams to beat in the NBA this year, and that will be there at the end of June once again, still the last one standing, will be the Golden State Warriors. Um, Maybe. They still have the best starting five in the league. There's no question about that. But they've added some new pieces this year, and there's been some controversy in regard to does Boogie Cousins play defense? And when he's on the floor, their defensive capabilities go down the toilet and, and all this other stuff. But obviously, the Warriors, who lost on Sunday to the league-worst uh, the Phoenix Suns, and that's happened twice this year to Milwaukee, so it can happen, no question. But they lost at home on Sunday. Phoenix had lost 19 consecutive games in Oracle Arena in Oakland to the Golden State Warriors. They broke that string on Sunday afternoon. And the Warriors, with that loss, fall to 4-6 and six overall in their last 10 games. So they're not playing real good basketball right now. But there seems to be a little 
seems to be a little distrust, mistrust, however you want to say it, in the ranks out there in Never Never Land, and that's what I call Golden State, because when you can throw out five All-Stars on the floor at the same time, that is a little bit like a fantasy league out there with that team, if they potentially can get it all together. But Steve Kerr, and now when I bring this up, Chris has seen another, he believes it was another thing, but I believe it went down this way. Late in the game yesterday between the Warriors and the Suns during a timeout that Golden State called as they're coming to the sidelines, and you know how the coaches always kind of gather together to talk about what they're going to discuss in that three-minute timeout. To me, it looked like, and obviously to a lot of other people, that Steve Kerr was seen talking to Mike Brown, who's his lead assistant, the former head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Los Angeles Lakers. Steve Kerr was seen talking to Brown during a timeout saying, and I quote, I am so fucking tired of Draymond's bullshit. Now, Chris, I'll have him comment on this in a minute because he thought he saw it another way. I saw it this way, and again, not to sound repetitive, but I saw it as Steve Kerr mouthing to assistant Mike Brown that I am so fucking tired of Draymond's bullshit, meaning power forward Draymond Green. I have always said on this program, as long as Steve Kerr has been the coach of the Golden State Warriors, that they've had they've un, they have enjoyed unparalleled un unparalleled. <laughs> Got to get my lips working again. Unparalleled success, and they have should have been four championships in a row instead of three out of four. They're still the best team, and a lot of people, including Las Vegas, has them as the odds-on favorite to make it four out of five this spring. But you can see some disconnect. You, you've heard that um, over the All-Star break, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant were like two kids in love. They were just hanging all over each other, and it's been chronicled that supposedly those two are on their way next year to New York to, to resurrect the Knicks. Um, Draymond Green is a free agent at the end of the year. Clay Thompson is a free agent at the end of the year. Clay Thompson has a connection to the Los Angeles Lakers. His dad once played for the Lakers. His dad is now the color analyst on Lakers radio, Michael Thompson, former All-American years ago at the University of Minnesota. There seems to be a little bit of a breaking in the I don't know, the, the relationship between Kerr and his players when you see this kind of stuff. And this is the stuff that kind of... Steve Kerr seemingly has always been above this kind of stuff. And now, of course, when they ask for comment, Kerr declined comment on his Draymond comment. So obviously, whether it was portrayed as the way I saw it or Chris saw it, regardless, there was something derogatory said about Draymond Green. And could this team basically be falling apart in front of our eyes? And the reason I say that, yesterday Durant Durant left the game with an ankle contusion, which Chris reminds me is just a bruise. He left the game. Obviously, there is, not everything is rosy between Steve Kerr and Draymond Green, going back to uh, the earlier, back in November, where... Draymond Green went off on Kevin Durant in a timeout in Los Angeles against the Clippers. But this is all good things for the league that are trying to get somebody to de dethrone the Golden State Warriors. And this kind of backbiting and infighting bullshit is probably good for the teams that think that they have a chance to finally dethrone the Golden State Warriors as champions of the NBA. 
yeah, I don't think it's going to affect them too badly this year. I think they'll all come together for the playoffs and probably do a great job again. But going forward, yeah, I mean, Durant's as good as gone to New York. And now, yeah, Thompson to the Lakers. Who knows about the rest? As long as they keep Steph Curry, that's the key. I think we might find that even if all these, if everybody leaves from the dynasty except for Steph Curry, Let's say that happens. Yeah. I think they'll still be really good because Steph Curry is that good of a basketball player and that good a leader right. and is that likable. And I think that other people will be happy to come there and play with Steph Curry, first yep, of all. For sure. Right? And they'll uh, and, and there's Steve Kerr. Yeah, of course. And they've got such good fan support now and everyone's the cool thing, the cool uh, team to cheer for, like the Bulls were back in the day. And I think that we might find that some of these guys, I don't I have no idea which ones whether it's Draymond Green or whether it's Clay Thompson or whatever, I think we're going to find that when some of these guys leave, not really Durant because he's proven it on his own before, but these other guys, these these role players who were sort of elevated for being with these other guys, I think we might find them being kind of like a Kevin Stevens who like oh, who used yeah, to be the yeah, left yeah. wing yeah. with, you're playing with Lemieux and Yager and you're mm-hmm. scoring points, congratulations, you know, or some, some of the guys that played with Gretzky perhaps or just, I mean, there's lots of examples, but... I think we might find that some of these guys are good, but they're not that good. Great point. And I think we might see where all of a sudden we put other guys in here, and all of a sudden they're looking amazing because they're playing with Steph Curry and they're playing for the Golden State Warriors. And all of a sudden they've got some championship rings. What a surprise. So I don't, I am not the biggest basketball expert. Mike knows a lot more about basketball than I do. But I will say, I know that Steph Curry is a very good player. And I think some of these other guys, I just, I have a hard time believing that they are all as good as they're cracked up to be outside Steph and Durant. And so I think it'll be very interesting to see if some of these guys go somewhere else and are just not that special. Well, you know, and and you bring up an excellent point. Well done in, in regard to it's better for a lot of these guys to be able to have a role, be a role player on a championship team. But when they go to, to be the guy somewhere else and get paid accordingly, they fall flat on their faces and they don't have a Kevin Durant or a Steph Curry to lean on. And I mean, who the hell wants to go to LA right now? Um, and I've got a comment about that as, as well, but right now, you know, they're talking about clay going to LA because of the connectivity there with his father and yada, yada, yada. And he'll be a star and he'll play with LeBron and all this other stuff. But ultimately you still might have to play with, you know, uh, Lonzo Ball and uh, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and guys that, you know, obviously weren't good enough to trade at the deadline. So, you know, it isn't, I remember reading a book years ago, it isn't always greener on the other side of the street. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of these guys that are thinking about leaving Golden State, well, enjoy your championship team now and enjoy that championship platitudes and enjoy the rings and all the, all the, you know, prizes and all the, you know, that come with winning championships, because if you go anywhere else, you aren't going to be in championship mode or championship potential right away. I mean, Kevin Durant's a great player, no question. Kyrie Irving, a great player, no question. But if they play next year for the New York Knicks, are the Knicks automatically going to win the Eastern Conference and win the NBA championship? Hell no. No. Absolutely not. No. But if I'm Draymond Green or Clay Thompson or any of the other bit players on the Golden State Warriors outside uh, Durant, I would stay there as long as I could. I would give hometown discounts. Yeah. I would, I would, you'd have to drag me kicking and screaming. I would, I mean, seriously, there are guys in sports in halls of fame that are 
just were average players, but they might have five championships because they were just on the right team at That's the right. right time. I mean, there'd be some guys from the Oilers when they won five cups in seven years that I don't I don't even know their name or I barely know them because they were just yeah. whatever, but they're at the right place at the right time. And then there's guys like Dan Marino that never won a championship. So it's like, you know, is some bit player who no one's ever heard of with five championships, does he deserve the Hall of Fame more than Dan Marino? Well, no, but uh, it's really hard to keep a guy with four, five, six championships out of the Hall of Fame. It really yeah. is, right? And when, Especially if we don't actually know that he was not that great. He might. It might be almost impossible to tell that the guy was nothing special because he was always in an optimal position. And so it's a really, it's a really interesting thing, but the idea of going somewhere else especially a team as low down as the Lakers have become is just totally ridiculous. And you are not looking at the big picture or looking long-term you stay with a dynasty and there's not many more dynasties in sports these days. Like it's not as common as it was back in the day to see a dynasty, a true dynasty, like we're seeing with the current day golden state warriors to give that up is absolute lunacy. And I wouldn't trust what anyone does if they're the type of guy that would give that up for anything. Um, real quick before we get out of here um, on this, and we'll have some more news and notes uh, in the NBA or on the NBA later in the week. But I just wanted to uh, finish or wrap up episode number 323 with one of the saddest stories I think I've ever read. And I've been reading sports stories for almost 50 some years. I think I read sports stories before I read anything else. I remember growing up with the Marshfield News Herald and reading sports stories by Bob Stevenson 50 years ago. And that was my first introduction to reading. Um, some will say I still haven't gotten any better, but that's their opinion. Um, how cheap are the, and I, and I, this was, I, I just can't believe this. How cheap are the Tampa Bay Rays baseball team? Oh. <laughs> the reason I ask is they have on their staff a pitcher by the name of Blake Snell. And if you don't know, because obviously nobody watches the Tampa Bay Rays, they won 90 games last year, folks, and they had the lowest attendance. Uh, they had the lowest average attendance, attendance in Major League Baseball last year at just over 14,000 a game. And I'm telling you, I believe that that was enhanced oh, yeah. by somebody. Because if you look, the few times that the Tampa, uh, the, excuse me, the Toronto Blue Jays play down at Tropicana Field, we get every Blue Jays game up here in Canada. So if you're flipping through these channels and the Blue Jays happen to be playing the Rays in St. Petersburg, Florida, you look in the stands and there are 19 people in the freaking stands and 17 of them have some affiliation with a player on the team. There is nobody at these games. The only time they seem to draw is when the Yankees are in town because the Yankees' spring training home happens to be Legends Field in Tampa, Florida. I digress. Getting back to the Tampa Bay Rays, how cheap are they? Well, let me tell you. They have, as I just mentioned, they have the defending American League Cy Young Award winning pitcher on their staff, and this young man's a little pissed off at his bosses right now. Why? Because the team gave him a $15,500 raise in salary for being the top pitcher in the American League. Now let's say, let's just say, let's say Chris here is a uh, uh, Cy Young Award winning left-handed pitcher. He can get every pitcher out. He's, his name is Blake Snell, but we gave him the name Chris Fluke. 
I believe in my heart of hearts that if Chris Fluke was pitching and had won a world's, excuse me, a American League Cy Young Award trophy as a member of the New York Yankees, you'd have gotten a big bonus. You sure as hell would have gotten more than $15,500. What I'm getting at long-winded is if I'm Blake Snell and I got $15,500 for taking home pitching's greatest honor, in professional Major League Baseball, pitching's greatest honor, the Cy Young Award, named after a guy that won 512 games in Major League Baseball, Cy Young. He, there really was a Cy Young. He pitched for the Boston Red Sox when he was pitching. He won 512 career games. But you give me $15,500 and I've won the Cy Young Award, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. I wouldn't report. Because you know what? Somebody, he's made enough money, I'd hope, being in the league for a couple of years, that he's got some money stashed away. I would do a Le'Veon Bell with that. I would sit here and wait till my contract, if it's got one year left, I'd wait till my contract is done and go sign with somebody else. That is totally disrespectful. You won, the team wins 90 games. He won 27, 25, something like that games last year as a starting pitcher. For the, the for the Rays, wins the American League Cy Young Award, and they gave him $15,500. I'd tell the Sternberg family that owns the Rays, I'd tell them to go screw themselves. When I was selling cell phones at the mall, <laughs> we would get, and, and, and it, was, it was fairly high-end you know, sales, and we were the busiest store in the country and all this, but still, we would get an annual bonus between the, the top guys, between six and ten grand. And this guy gets fifteen yeah. for winning the NL side or the AL side. And you didn't have to throw you didn't have to throw breaking pitches in front of nine people in Tropicana Field. No, I, I didn't. I had I, I had more people come to see me every day than the Rays <laughs> did. <laughs> I I had lineups to come see me. I don't think the Rays no. had any lineups. <laughs> you know it's funny when they sit here and they say plenty of goods. I watched <laughs> I watched a slap shot over the weekend, mm-hmm. and Jim Carr, who's that the broadcaster mm-hmm. for the. Charlestown Chiefs always says before they they turned turned it into Monkeyville and they were beating everybody up, but plenty of good seats still available. Well, I'm telling you, folks, any night you pick at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg, Florida, there are plenty of good seats still available. There really are, and I know we're getting long in this episode, but we have some breaking news that we need to talk about. Uh-oh. Are you ready for this? Okay. Here we go. Brian Gutekunst has been fired as general manager of the Green Bay No, Bay. it's an NFL story, but it's not a Packers story. Damn it. There's a lot of money. This is a risky thing. Are you ready? And everyone knew this was coming, but the Jacksonville Jaguars have signed Nick Foles to a four-year deal worth $88 million, just over $50 million guaranteed and boy, does this guy have a uh, a lot to, of uh, money to give to Frank Reich and John DeFilippo. Yeah. John DeFilippo, who he will be working with now in Jacksonville. But uh, a couple years ago, not even, just over a year ago, uh, he looked like he was terrible and done and would never play again. Now he's getting $88 million, $50 million guaranteed. Ooh, this is a risky one. He's he's better than Bortles, and, oh. and, and he's a nice guy, and I appreciate I'm happy for him. But boy, is this... Risky, fifty million guaranteed. We will see how this works out, but at least fuck you, Blake Bortles. I still believe with this signing, regardless of anything that happens, regardless, even with this signing, the Jacksonville Jaguars will have at least four more wins next year, just because they have a legitimate NFL quarterback on their roster. 
That's my yeah, no. Hey, and that, and that's great. And as long as he doesn't completely melt down, well, uh, he, absolutely, he, he should be good. Uh, just uh, ten seconds more here, just to say the Titans have re-signed Kenny Vaccaro, one of a million safeties available. Four years, twenty-six million, eleven point five guaranteed. Solid signing. He's good. And the ageless wonder, the Buffalo Bills, just as about a minute ago, have signed running back Frank Gore to a one-year, $2.5 million contract as he just tries to pile up the yards. He just wants to... I think this is just about his legacy. He just wants every yard he can possibly have so that he's uh, looking great in the all-time list. He keeps getting a, He keeps getting a job every year, so he brings something to somebody's table, but I'm a bit surprised by that. I thought Frank Gore was done three years ago. But... He's not, and congratulations to him. And uh, now he's going to freeze his balls off in in, uh, in Buffalo. A little disappointed that uh, Antonio Brown told the Brown or the Bills to basically go screw themselves. I, I that could have been fun with him and Josh Allen. Well, again, but again, it's 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 the inmates running the asylum, and it's mm-hmm. too bad because uh, I think you know this is going to be funny when you say this, but I think that the Bills are in a better position right now than the Raiders are. They could be. It, it, it's, it's an interesting thought because, and as of, you know, a few days ago, I would have definitely agreed with you. Now it looks like, you know, the the uh, the Raiders between a really good uh, brand new GM uh, and a serious attitude about getting ready for Vegas seem like they're really stepping it up, which I didn't think they'd do. But uh, yeah, that's an interesting debate. Who is Who would you rather be right now, Oakland or... Buffalo. I think Buffalo's defense, and I think uh, Josh Allen, with a little help, uh, could be a difference maker at quarterback. And I really do like Sean McDermott as the head coach yeah, of Buffalo. Yeah, I, do, I, I do think too, he's yeah. a he's a proven commodity, and he's going to, at the very least, he's going to make the Buffalo Bills. Oh, he's going to make them uh, prevalent again. I really believe that they've got the right man for the job. I know neither one of us like Buffalo ownership, but. Uh, Again, with Sean McDermott there, they've got a winner there, and and uh, hopefully Buffalo. I mean, I would love to see somebody, somebody. I don't care who it is, but somebody give some pressure, give some heat to the New England Patriots in the AFC East. It's a joke, and I would love to see somebody stand up and just get into a fucking fight with the New England Patriots over that div- that division supremacy because the fucking Patriots have had it for way, way, way too long. We've got to run on this. Uh, 323rd episode of Unscripted. We ran a little long, but, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about, and Chris and I never have a problem with speaking, so, uh, you know, we're enjoying it. Hope that you are as well. Having said all that, for the executive producer of our program, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.